1: Welcome back, guys, to yet another episode of The Stranded Podcast. You're listening to Episode 7. I'm so excited about today's episode. At the very least, I know we're going to have a lot of fun today. I'm sitting next to Patrick Rudell, who happens to own and operate... Some of the coolest stores in the Tampa Bay area. Um, And I feel like he's patented the mini donut idea. (laughs) I could be wrong though. Um, But he is known as like a serial entrepreneur, awesome marketer. um, And I think he's done just about everything you can think of. So all your questions uh, could be answered in this one episode. So Patrick, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Jess, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: So listen, for my audience, I, I know I know quite a bit about you and, and what I've heard through the grapevine. Stalker, but <laughs> You're stalking me. I'm a little bit of a stalker. I heard Patrick's like a great marketer, so I know I can learn a lot from him. Plus, I run everybody I can to this donut factory store because um, I got the best donuts ever. Check them out, St. Petersburg and South Tampa Mini Donut Factory. But. Tell us, tell my audience, a little bit about Patrick, a little bit about your journey, and just just what you're doing now. Short version.
2: Short version. I don't. You know, I'm 40 years old, so I don't know if I have a short version. I've lived a life. Um, you know, long story short, just a simple Brooklyn boy. Uh, you know, dropped out of high school in ninth grade, got my GED. Um, it was time to make life decisions and be an adult. So Joined the military. I think you know you've said it before you've had some entrepreneurs with criminal histories you know I thankfully don't have a history a record um, but you know I'd did what I needed to do growing up in Brooklyn, New York.
1: All that means is you didn't get caught.
2: No. I <laughs> was very smart at what I did. Um, but I hustle. So like it's always that hustle mentality. Coming from New York, you know, I, I feel like I have an advantage over the rest of the country. I mean it's just it's just you walk faster, you talk faster, you put a box where the microphone is to lift it up a little higher. <laughs> you you do whatever is necessary. So like, you know, my education was in the street. My education was just getting out and learning and doing things. So, you know, the short version is you know, ninth grade dropout when I I was 15, uh, joined the military at 17, got kicked out of the military when I was just about to turn 20. Uh, I'm not a rules follower, um, but still one of the proudest moments of my life is still serving my country. Uh, I just always believe there's better ways to do things in the military. They don't They don't think you could do things better. Mm. Met my wife. been with my wife now uh, since I was 19, so we're going on 22 years. Amazing. Uh, probably the best part of my life, to be honest. Um, two teenage kids. 14, Jordan's about to turn 16. He's got his permit, which is scary. Um, you know, real estate investor. I've done about 800 houses here in the Tampa Bay area, flipped about five, five $6 million worth of domain names, blogged, had news sites and now donuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So many questions. So question number one starts with short, like, I don't want you to have to get into too much detail, but why, what made you drop out at 15?
2: It's a really tough question, you know, because it was a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. It really was a waste of time. You know, for me, school was just a popularity contest about, you know, dating girls. I was. I mean, I really was ready. So when I dropped out, I actually focused 100% on playing pool. And I used to go to the pool halls and hustle grown men at 15 years old. (laughs) So, I mean, I've got actually tons of trophies at home from when I was a teenager, because I used to shoot pool really good, and my parents, they would just drop me off at the pool hall and pick me up hours later, and, you know, I'd come back with money in my pocket.
1: So I have to ask this. Dropping out 15, pool hustling, were your parents okay with the dropout?
2: You know, I'll say the one thing is, my parents are not entrepreneurs, you know, but they've always been supportive. They always said, you know, you got to find your own path, so if this is what's best for you... And I mean, growing up in Brooklyn, you know, being you know the one white guy in some of these schools, you know, I was kicked out of so many schools for fighting. You know, anytime somebody comes and they step,s you know, it's a fight. You know, that's every day is a fight in New York, and so you learn so much from that everyday hustle, that everyday grind, just. Knowing that any moment something can happen, you just have to always be prepared. You know, like even when you walked in, I was like, Where's my wallet? It wasn't in my front pocket. (laughs) And I had put it down just for a second, but I know it's not in my front pocket because I'm aware of my surroundings and what's going on at all times. And so, you know, they were very supportive. They, you know, of course, you know, I'm sure my dad was disappointed, but, you know, if he was alive now, I'm sure he'd be proud of me.
1: I I know he would be proud. But I want to hit on a topic you mentioned. It's something that I've learned recently. You're talking about education, you're openly saying it was a waste of your time because it was a popularity contest. You know, you weren't getting from it what everybody wanted you to get from it. I, on the other hand, have been immersed in education. I have a master's degree. I've, I've been going to school forever. Fancy. And yeah, <laughs> correct, right, because that's what I was taught to do. Yeah. Um, but I learned in the last two years that it can only take me so far, and... You can do so much more with um, without self-doubt and pushing past fear, and there's really only so much an education can do for you. The rest is all on you. And I would almost say the things that education taught me aren't what got me where I am today. I think it has a lot to do with experience and just like self and hard
2: work and well the education system teaches you to get a job
1: exactly so
2: you know that's our culture our parents our parents parents they're like oh you got to go to school you got to be better than me and i could be better but i don't have to go to school for that and so even our own children you know i I don't know if you've seen it but you know we've been homeschooling our kids now for this 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 year and it's going amazing you know they, they they sat down we treat them like adults and we said, listen, guys, we're opening up more stores. We're really busy. We're not going to be home as much. You know, we have a choice. And it was, I remember that it was, it was last Father's Day. We sat down and we said, listen. Let's try something different. Let's go homeschooling. And, you know, my son wasn't very popular. He's a smart kid, but not popular. And so, like, for him, he didn't need the social interaction. My daughter, Social Butterfly, both in the gifted programs, both do well in school. Um, but she maintains her friendships. He maintains friendships through sports. And they're still in the sports teams uh, with the schools and so forth. But I just pitched to him and I said, listen, guys, I want you guys to be in the business. I want you to be working with us. You know, and they've been working in the stores since, you know, 12 and 13. And so they work with us Fridays, Sundays, and sometimes during the week. Um, and then they do their schoolwork three, four days a week through Florida Virtual. And it's, it's honestly been one of the most... Um, I've seen the most change in their lives in the last six months than I've seen in the 14, 15 years they've been alive. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like they're learning to walk again. It's really like they're trying to learn to walk again because they're looking the big picture they're looking through their parents eyes you know my wife's an amazing teacher as well so they get to see a certain aspect of life through my wife's eyes and then they get to see that hard-nosed business hustler through me and you can see my kids just starting to pick up those qualities it's it's really like honestly I I gotta say it's like one of the proudest moments of my life it has been the last six months it's been really really uh, I don't want to get emotional and cry because I do that a lot but (laughs) I do Um, but it's been very rewarding very rewarding
1: now, let me be clear. I don't want to say that I'm against education by no means, um, but I think, I think what's so cool about this is what I've heard before that was the most astounding to me was, you know, when they're 17 and 364 day, days old, we ask them to raise their hand to go to the bathroom, and then the day after they turn 18, we say, you need to get a job, you need to move out, and you need to get a life, yeah. and the expectation there forever changes. And I feel like what you're doing with your kids is so cool because you're teaching them that now instead of waiting until day one of
2: year 18. Yeah, we got employees that have to ask my daughter if they can go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's, schooling, there is a need, right? There is a need. You know, even though I got my GED, I joke about it. I actually got a very high score on my GED. I'm, I'm extremely intelligent. I mean, so you do need to know math. You do need to know how to read and write and use a computer. So there are some basic skills. But let's be honest. Is it a gym is that something? Is PE not something necessary? I mean, if you're going to be an athlete, you're going to be an athlete. It's something you don't need to be forced to go to a gym class, uh, change clothes, you know, in front of kids in a locker room and be ridiculed and. It's just not necessary. So there's a lot of holes in the the school system. And um, I I think there's a need. There's definitely a need. There's some kids that they just need to stay in school. They need to go to college. They need to get a job. They have to get a job. Or join the military. Because being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. And so one of the biggest things I coach in life, because I mentor a lot of people, is you have to really evaluate yourself and who you are first. You have to be your biggest, harshest, most honest critic. And I'll sit across from a table, and I'll be like, you're not an entrepreneur. Go to school and get a job. I mean it's I think it's that simple. I think I think you you've seen so many people that try to do business and try to do XYZ, but you're like they have they don't have the skill set at all. They should just quit now. So why not help people and be like, you know, what, honestly you're not ever gonna be an entrepreneur. Not everybody can be it.
1: <laughs> and I love this because that's that's the harsh reality that I faced was what you have to be willing to accept and and move forward with is people's criticism when you join that entrepreneur journey because people are really trying to help you and they are being critical of you but they're being critical of you with the sense of the expectation and what they went through and what they know versus being so used to you know high school or your friends and we're so defensive against criticism but I've got nothing but the best feedback from people that other entrepreneurs Mm
2: -hmm. it's hard hard, though that's that's a lot of people cannot take criticism because they think it's an attack they take it as an attack listen I'm not perfect right well I think I am um But, you know, I didn't know how to make donuts two and a half years ago. Never in my life did I make a donut until two and a half years ago. And I'll tell you right now, I make damn good donuts. You know what I mean? I make the best in Tampa Bay, and the people have voted that two years in a row. So it's something that the people have voted on. And now there are dozens of people that try to do what I do, and they'll never amass the success that I can because we've created a brand. We've created a culture and an experience. So, uh, you know, really, I, I, again, I, I coach so many people, and they just will look at me and... They just want to cry or they want to fight me because they think it's either I'm trying to hurt their feelings or I just want to you know, put them down, and that's not the case. Uh, I'm happy to put somebody on a pedestal if they deserve it, but I also want people to have the harsh reality is that you may not be an entrepreneur. Why, why waste your time, your energy, and... Maybe you have $100,000 saved up, and you're like, I'm going to take that $100,000, and I'm going to become a real estate investor, and you buy the shittiest house, and you, you do a poor job fixing it up, and guess what? You can't even sell that house for 50. So you actually can lose money, and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is it's, it's a real decision that you can make, not only from a financial standpoint, but from a time standpoint, because time is our most valuable resource in life. You know, I can either spend time with my kids, or I can start another business. At this point in my life, I'd rather spend time with my wife and kids uh, than doing more business.
1: And I think we hit on this, but give me a little more in-depth version before we get into the success of the Mini Donut Factory, because I really want to talk about how you went from never making a donut to being the best at making donuts, <laughs> and I want to talk about um, you know, some of the things that you've been truly successful at, like your real estate investing, but from 15 to dropping out to the military and getting kicked out, how did you go from that to deciding entrepreneurship was for me and knowing that two failed attempts at two very important things in life could lead you to a successful journey in entrepreneurship?
2: Um, So I think you said the word fail. Failed attempt. There's no such thing as a failed attempt. Right? It's an opportunity to learn. So I don't believe in failure. Um, It's just an opportunity to learn and improve. Um, But I've actually been an entrepreneur since, honestly, like I was like 10 I mean, I would buy baseball cards and sell baseball cards. I would buy comic books and, and, and whatever. And, and again, we're just going to talk about the legal activities. Uh, anything I can buy for, for a buck and sell for two, I'm going to do. You know, it doesn't matter what it was. And, and like I said, so most more often than not, it was baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, comic books. Um, and and I, I don't care. I would hustle. I would work at a, um, a hot dog stand at 12 years old. And this was at the flea market up north.
1: Those things make millions.
2: A hot dog stand, Yes. <laughs> And I was just always like, how do, I, how do I market? How do I do something different? It's always like, one guy runs this way. I want to run the opposite way. So I used to give away free hot dogs. I would just give away free hot dogs. But they had to buy the bun. So smart. <laughs> so, so so, they got the free hot dog if they bought the bun for a dollar or whatever it was, you know, instead of saying we're selling hot dogs for a dollar. I would joke at 12 years old. Can you imagine a 12 year old kid saying, I'll give you a free hot dog. You just got to buy the bun for a dollar. I sold so many hot dogs.
1: I'm buying the bun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying the bun, even yeah. if I don't want the hot dog.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, it's always, it's always marketing. So it's always figuring that out. I mean, I've had an auto parts business. I've had blogs. I've had so many things that I've been able to take. At the end of the day, everything comes down to marketing. Every single business—if if you can't get the phone to ring to real estate, if you can't get a customer to walk through your store, if you can't get a reader to read your blog—every single aspect about business comes down to marketing. And I don't know how, but I'm really good at it. I, I, I really can't say how I got these skills. I mean, I, it is the mixed childhood. It is you know, growing up in the bad, growing up in the good. You know, I try not to talk about my parents, but you know, I—you I, know—the the, the sad reality is, you know my dad worked a job for 37 years, you know, my mom, you know, was a stay at home mom and, you know, we, we, you know, my parents had issues and it was, it was not the best childhood, but it wasn't the worst childhood. You know what I'm saying? I never, never had not had food. You know, did we have food right. stamps at some point in our life? Yes. Did we have, you know, um, she live in the college. projects, you know, you, you do what you have to do and that's what the parents do. And that's what I do for my children. You know, uh, I've been in the line we had to put back groceries. We were so broke, but again, that's something an entrepreneur will do. But, um, I don't even know. Marketing, marketing, marketing. That's all I could say. I don't know how I got it, but I got it and I'm blessed and I use it to its fullest.
1: So marketing, which I hear this all the time from other entrepreneurs, but multiple successful businesses. Is that the major thing you learn? Like, is that the, that's the key to your success? What's, what's one of the things that you've learned is, is not the best choice to make in building a business? Not starting. Say it
2: again? Not starting. <laughs> it's that simple. And again, I don't care if you fail, but one of your biggest regrets in life will be is if you didn't at least attempt to make that business, if you didn't at least attempt to try what your dream is, then you're a failure to begin with.
1: And what'd you say a failed attempt was?
2: <laughs> in this case, it might actually be a failure if you don't do it. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> Because you have to take action. And so there's so many people, uh, I've, I've mentored people, and I just tell them from day one, if you're not going to take action, let's just stop here. So literally the first meeting, they're like, okay, boom, 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 and we make a game plan. This is what you want. You want to make $150,000 a year, and you're a wedding coordinator. Okay, great. How many weddings do you have to do to make that? Okay, let's focus on 50 weddings. You need to make $3,000 a wedding, and then you got two weeks off a year perfect $150,000 you're set this, this was a game plan this is literally a meeting I had last night uh, awesome person um, sh- but she's 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 really doing well in her winning business and events and she has goals and she just didn't know how to achieve them um, and, and you know she I think she's oh my god I don't want to say her age because she's probably going to listen to this but I think she's somewhere between let's just say around 45 and so like you could be an entrepreneur at any age Uh, But the biggest thing is you just have to take action. If you do not take action, that, that, that is the only time I could say something is a failure, is if you don't take action.
1: So tell me, well, tell us the story about going from real estate investing, domain, what do you call it, domain flipping? Sure, flipping, domains <laughs> flipping domains,
2: <laughs> flipping houses,
1: flipping houses to making donuts, and this was never like a
2: hobby for you. Flipping donuts,
1: flipping donuts.
2: The donuts do flip, actually. Flipping donuts. Um, so I was a bill collector um, at Chase Bank for you know twenty twenty to twenty five years old. You know I made my way up through management, supervisor, and so forth. Um, always excel. Always number one bill collector. Always the number one salesperson anywhere I ever worked. And my wife is, uh, we were watching, this is back in the day when that Flip This House show came on. I think everybody got addicted to it and they're like, oh, we could do that and make millions. And so my wife is like, we could do that. I'm like, what do you mean? I had no idea. I'm not handy at all. I mean, if you see my hands, I'm pretty. I don't, I really don't know how to fix things. You have really nice nails. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm not handy like that. And I know what my strong points are and aren't. She's like, no, no, my dad was a general contractor up north. Uh, he speaks Spanish, you know, for the Puerto Rican. We'll get them down here and we'll get a house." Literally that weekend, we drove around through Sulphur Springs, which is you know top two worst neighborhood in Tampa Bay. And we drove through and we seen those bandit signs that says, you know, house for sale, as we called. And we literally bought that house within seven days. And then from that point forward, we bought three more houses. So we actually bought four total houses within 45 days. Back then they were giving hard money loans, it was easy to get financing. Um, You know, we had good credit. I quit my job, she quit her job, we brought her dad down here. We had like 500 bucks in our pocket. The first 300 bucks went to cover the appraisal, left us with $200 for groceries. And we just got in there. Even myself, I did drywall, I did the roof, I did the electrical, I did the floors, I did the plumbing, everything that I could physically do. I could say in real estate, I've physically done at least everything in a house one time, just so I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. If I hire a general contractor, I know if he's, you know, bullshitting me or not bullshitting me. I need to know if he's doing what he's supposed to do. You know, if you put in stud six to the center, is it really, you know... I could get a tape measure to see if he's doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, So I think it's important to, you know, even nowadays, you know, making a donut. I I need to know how to be able to do these things so I can teach other people and to make sure that it's being done properly. Um, But she said, let's just quit our jobs. And really, that was the biggest leap of faith I had was just, you know, my wife believes in me. I trust my wife and believe in her. And she said, let's do it. And we did it. So... Five, six hundred houses later, we made millions and millions of dollars and had the number one real estate company in Tampa Bay called Mr. Three Days. Uh, So it was uh, We Buy Houses Cash in Three Days, which we've sold that company twice since. Um, And then the market crashed in 2008. Luckily, I sold the company where I was able to get out and make a couple bucks and sell it right, right before the Truecat crash. Um, I seen the crash coming, so I actually created the first short sale company in in the Tampa Bay area. Um, We created um, uh, property mitigation, and then there's some other people. We we used to service uh, short sales for all of our investors, and we would do our own for ourselves, and we were doing over 100 a month as far as short sales. Back then, it was a lot easier to get the banks to negotiate and take it because the writing was on the wall. Uh, But the market crashed And yeah, I had a couple bucks But I didn't have enough I didn't have enough to really truly live off of I couldn't maintain the same lifestyle You know, we lost our big house We lost five cars You know, we had to move Actually over the next three, four years We actually moved a lot You know, trying to figure out What are we going to do next Um, And because I seen it coming I started researching the internet And I seen domain names A domain name, you know What's what's your website domain name? What's yours?
1: Oh, thestrandedphase.com
2: Okay, so I would see that And Maybe if it was just phase.com or whatever I could buy that I think somebody would want to buy. So what I wound up doing because I knew real estate, it's like, cool. I love marketing and creating companies. Let me, um, pick up some names for what I think people would want to have their real estate company. So, um, I forget what it was like real estate buying or realestatementorship.com. All these, I bought literally hundreds of them. Cause um, like 1299. Yeah. 1299. <laughs> or you can get a coupon code for 999. <laughs> so in the, in the height of that I had about 5,000 domain names oh my gosh and you know some of them I'd buy for 9 bucks and flip for $200 some I'd buy for 999 and flip for $500 I think back then when I was first starting out the the most I got for a domain was $5,000 to a real estate investor um, and he used it for his personal brand um, and then we just branched off into different industries. And it, it was so cool, I, I just created a blog, and I had never blogged in my life. I'm like, wow, what am I doing? Let me blog about what I'm doing, because here I am working from home. I'm like, let me blog about it. And we just literally, thousands and thousands of people followed me on the internet watching me take $9 domain names and flip them for $5,000. And through my blog, I was teaching you know people. I never even realized it, but I was teaching myself at the same time, so people got to see me teach myself, and they would learn from it. And then we went to video and podcasts, and so we have got the YouTube channel with tens of thousands of views at the time. And uh, the podcast, which I applaud you for because it's a, the most amount of work, probably. You get a lot of people that are nervous and don't want to talk on a microphone. Um, And then we had a conference. I actually had my own conference. So we had a conference on a cruise, first in the industry. In Tampa? Um, Yeah, so it actually left Tampa. It left Tampa and Miami. Uh, And we had 200 uh, guests that would join us for the domaining. Um, Had some of the best speakers, was offered a job. So I did take a job for a short period of time, but... Honestly, the job offer, I made a quarter million dollars a year on a GED because I had this brand, I had this authority within the industry. And it really was learning that and taking that job that took me to the next level because they taught me the skills I needed to flip million-dollar domain names. And so we had bought and sold t-shirts.com. Uh, it was acquired for 250000 and then it was sold for about $1.3 somewhere in that range. Uh, while I was there, a domain name came up for sale, sciencefiction.com. Um, I think I bought it, I bought it for $175,000. The job hated that I bought the domain name because they didn't want me to be an entrepreneur. They didn't want me to do my thing. So they tried to hold me back. I'm like, listen, you're not gonna hold me back. I'm gonna do this, it's not gonna affect my work. I'm your number one salesperson here, and I was. And, I, and they, they really gave me some freedom. Um, but when I got covered on TechCrunch, I got covered on TechCrunch, my job was jealous because they're like, we've never been covered on TechCrunch. <laughs> and it started creating red flags and some friction within the job I'm like what that's fine you know I'll go and uh you know we made science fiction we built it to over 4 million unique visitors on on every single month it was the number one you know rated uh, sci-fi news we had 15 writers we'd do 15 articles every day we went to every comic con we interviewed everybody you know Hugh Jack Ben Stanley you name anybody in the comic industry in the sci-fi world we covered all the shows did all the reviews got all the books before they came out no I don't read but I made sure they read them (laughs) um
1: I just have to pause and
2: listen <laughs> hold on
1: <laughs> hold on there's so much so one we're in his store right now so background noise we're, we're in the mini donut factory <laughs> two um, you talk about real estate investing you talk about this science sciencefiction.com domain name flipping and all I can think about right now you don't read you don't care about comic con but all three of these businesses you've been successful in and you were not an expert
2: I'm an expert now That part. I'm an expert now because I made myself one. You know, nobody's gonna give you the tools. You have to learn. So I really don't care. I could be a surgeon if you show me how to do a surgery once. I could do that surgery. I don't need to go to school for that. No, I get. get, You know, that's the one example where you know they want you to go to school and you have to go to school. But there's nothing I can't do. I mean, I can learn anything. I love this. I just. But I don't have to read to do it.
1: (laughs) I love this. I love this. (laughs) Because people are, people are so nervous to take the step for the very reason that they don't find themselves as the expert, or they say, you know, I need to learn a little bit more, I need yeah. to know more, I need to practice more, or I need to... What if someone says that I don't know all of it? What if they tell me I'm not the expert? So become one. Fake it. Fake it. Until you Fake make it. it.
2: Fake it. <laughs> I remember one of my first conversations, and then we'll go back to uh, uh, getting back into real estate, but I had somebody I wanted to buy coffee, and... I know nothing about coffee, like coffee beans, the origins, nothing like that. And I literally pulled up Google. And I'm in in this this meeting over the phone to sell uh, coffee bulk, like pallets of coffee at a time to a buyer. And I Google coffee, uh, grams, pounds, things like that, some terms. I'm literally looking at Google and spitting out some terms that I'm seeing on the Internet. And my wife was in the room next to me. And I text her while I'm having this conversation. She's like I'm like, I'm bullshitting my way through this entire conversation. You can hear my wife laugh so loud. Cause she's like, she's looking at me like, damn, he's an expert. I'm like, no, you're an expert. If you say you're an expert, you know, learn the key terms, learn this, learn that. Now I'll tell you right now, I am a coffee expert. I know my my, my stuff when it comes to coffee, but nobody wants to do business with somebody that doesn't know what they're doing you know they're they're not going to trust you have to become an authority you have to almost instantly become an authority in your industry and so now there's nothing that i don't know when it comes to coffee or donuts or ice cream or whatever i'm doing and uh so it's you just have to fake it you have to do educated fakes though like google a term okay use some keywords and 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 fake it um but so so I sold sciencefiction.com, um, took the money from that. You know, the real estate market was just starting to get good again. It was 2012, so I sold that. We moved to family you know, from Fort Lauderdale. We are living on the beach, uh, you know, beautiful condo, 10th floor. Um, probably the most awesome place I've ever lived, to be honest with you, we loved it. Smallest place we've ever lived, but the, the vibe and the atmosphere. Um, but I'll just say this is the only time in life I'll ever admit I was fearful. It's very rare, believe me. Um, I was fearful because I knew the Tampa Bay real estate market and I had just sold you know, the science fiction. I'm like, you know what? I should do this in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. It's a great market. I don't know a single person. Do I really want to start over again or do I want to take where I was you know, top five in the industry and take that back? So I moved, you know, we moved the family back to Tampa Bay, which, you know, we're happy about. We love Tampa Bay. It's an amazing community, Uh, very supportive. We've been in Wesley Chapel on and off for 15 years, and I love, love my community. I love the industry, I love real estate, I love the business people out here. So I was very fortunate to be able to come back and have some of the same connections or at least the reputation. You know, reputation is everything for me. And so I came back into an industry where nobody looked at me as the new guy on the block. They knew who I was. You know, I said my name and my company. They're like, okay, this guy is who he says he is. And uh, the first thing I did was actually bought TBRIA, which is the uh, Tampa Bay Real Estate Investors Association. Uh, so I bought that right away. I'm like, you know what, I need to get in front of all the new investors. I need to get in front of the masses. And how do I do that? How can I be the expert in front of the room You know, by owning it. So if I own it, I'm the expert. And so here I am in front of a room, really not loving public speaking, to be honest, but here I am in front of a room of like 30 to 50 people that are looking to me for guidance. And I would not sell mentorship. I would never, I didn't sell mentorship. I refused. I had so many people tell me, you know, can you you do mentorship? I'm like, no, this is what I'm going to do. Because back in the day, I sold $10,000 a person. I've sold hundreds of people mentorship. And they had they had access to me, my office, my staff for a full year. And most of those people failed because I wasn't honest with them. I didn't say you're not an entrepreneur, you shouldn't do this. And it wasn't that I wasn't honest. I don't think I really I didn't know. I didn't know that you can actually tell someone that they shouldn't be an entrepreneur. I don't need your ten thousand dollars. You should not be an entrepreneur. You should take the ten thousand dollars and go to college. You know, I didn't know that. And and you know, as you get older you you know, <laughs> you you make those risks when you talk to people, but I'm at a point in my life now where I have nothing to prove to anybody, mm. nothing. So why not be honest? Why not just you know be as real as possible? So I would tell him no. I said, listen, but what I'll do is I put on a very basic class for three hundred dollars, two hundred ninety nine dollars, and I taught them for eight hours. You know, I had an office, I had a classroom set up, and I taught them real estate, and they loved it. I said, that's it. There's no more mentorship. What I do though is you go out, you put to action what I just showed you, and all it was really a marketing class. Sort taught of marketing, how to find deals, and how to do just basics of evaluating a property. I said, when you have somebody that calls you, you call me. I'll walk you through the deal, and we'll split it 50-50, or we'll do whatever, or I'll buy it, whatever it is. I had the cash. I could buy houses. Not a problem. We'll close cash two days, three days. I've closed in 24 hours. Got back into real estate, and... But I learned this time to be very cautious. I didn't live the lavish lifestyle. I really calmed down. You know, when you make money the first time, you just you throw it around. You flaunt it. You go to the clubs. You buy jewelry. You buy the cars. You just do stupid decisions. And so being a little older, a little wiser, going through the losses and tons of tears, uh, I live a very modest lifestyle, believe it or not. I really do.
1: Do you miss any of those things?
2: None. The only thing that matters, and, and it, it took losing everything to learn, the only thing that matters is my wife and children. Mm. That's it. And and I look at my wife and children different every single day since that day. Uh, They're everything. They're more valuable than anything I can ever put in a bank account. So my job is just to make sure that they're fed, and fed well.
1: So outside of losing cars, jewelry, and a home, what was the toughest thing? What what did you actually lose that made you question your decision-making?
2: Fake friends. Ooh. I mean... (laughs) You know, I think when we lost the business, because um, I was feeding everybody, we would go to Roots Chris every day, bring six to ten people. I spent literally $100,000 at Roots Chris in one year. And my wife did the accounting. She showed me that she, she actually almost shit herself. She's like, wow. And uh, I realized, like, I just fed all these people Roots Chris. Where are they today? so it's like fake friends like you actually I invest like I said I'm actually a very very emotional person I do cry I do love and I give people my all and I don't expect it in return right that's, that's not why you do it but I expect them to stick around like the real ones the good ones so it was, that was very painful losing so many fake friends
1: you'll kill yourself with expectations leaving your expectations in other
2: people unfortunately so I have zero expectations of people um but, you know, I learned from those ups and downs that I needed a business that wasn't cyclical because real estate is super cyclical. I mean, we're about to, you know, we're, it's, it's hard right now for a real estate investor to buy a house. we're way out there. Yep. I mean, prices are high. Inventory is low. Everybody, even banks are fixing up houses now because they want top dollar. And I already seen that two years ago. I already seen the writing on the wall two years ago. So I put it in plan where I said four years ago in my classes to real estate. students, so I'm like, listen, I'm not going to be around long. I'm going to be doing donuts. They all laughed at me. They're like, hold on, you're going from real estate you owning a donut shop I'm like yep Watch me Nobody believed me Everybody freaking laughed at me My wife My kids We, would, we had a, a little notebook at home We'd write down our ideas Our flavors Business names Things like that Just, just ideas And uh, one day I was like Man it was really hard to buy A couple houses this month I'm like That's it for me I, So I got on the internet I searched uh, donut shops And there was three And I emailed all of them And the same thing I do with real estate is Do you want to sell I want to buy one sentence. Literally, that's all I said in the email. I signed my name and my cell phone number, and uh, you know they could type in my name in Google and know that I'm a businessman and that I'm you know I'm real. If that's if that email comes across and you Google my name, you'll know that it's a real offer. Um, one company called me within 12 hours. We did an NDA and I bought a donut shop in Tampa. 24 hours later, 48 hours. Sorry, they couldn't meet for two days. I uh, bought the donut shop two days later. It was called Perks Donut Bar. Uh, it was a business that was just getting by. It was not profiting. Um, but that's okay. I like taking not-profiting businesses and turn them around. So I think when I bought it, uh, the month before, I actually took it over. it was making $7,000 a month. And very quickly, we got that up to $125,000 a month business. Uh, probably, probably within six months, we were a $100,000 business every month.
1: Was this the Mini Donut Factory, or is this something the previous owned?
2: So the previous owned, we changed the name and the concept, the recipes. We changed everything. Right away? Right away. We took the signs down. It took us two weeks to order new signage, new name, new branding, new everything. Uh, change out, order new new recipes, new products. It was Big Donuts. We changed it to the Mini Donuts. Uh, and instantly, the first month, we made $10,000. The second month, we made 20-something. The third month, we did 40-something. Then 80-something. In month five, we were over $100,000. Um, and it hasn't stopped since. So, you're telling me you were in these these
1: mentoring classes with your want, I don't want to say want to be with the folks that really wanted to be in real estate investing and you already knew that you were going to open a donut shop? 100%. Where did that idea come from?
2: Dunkin Donuts. So, where I live, there's five Dunkin Donuts within 2 miles. I mean, they're literally everywhere. Uh, I would bring my kids. You know, we'd have basketball practice at the end of the day or whatever. So three o'clock or seven o'clock at night, we'd actually pop in and they want donuts. Cool. I love donuts too. I mean, listen, I love pastries, I love desserts, I love sweets. Anything that has sugar in it, give it to me. And um, they're was stale, like always stale. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Like, so, I, and I think as an entrepreneur, there's two things that you have to do: market and figure out a better way to do it. I, I don't want to say reinvent the wheel. How do I make the wheel better, right? And so I looked at this and I'm like this business is literally making millions and millions of dollars. It's one of the, Dunkin' Donuts is the largest, you know, donut chain in the country with over 13,000 locations. Um, I could do better. I'm like, no, I got to figure out, I need to make it hot, fresh as a customer is walking in the door. The donut needs to be fried. They need to get a fresh donut right then and there. There is no such thing as a stale donut. And, uh, Started researching the machines, the equipment, you know, recipes, and we'd fry donuts at home, and we'd do all the little fun stuff. Like, the kids loved it. I mean, they've, they've seen it since they were 10, 10 years old, that we knew we were going to do this business. So they've literally been involved from day one. And they were more happy about me owning a donut shop, because they're going to be the cool kid that their parents own a donut shop, than owning real estate. Even my mom told me she was proud of me when I opened a donut shop. <laughs> I've made, like, seriously. I've, I've made millions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've probably made over $10 million in real estate, and here I am at a donut shop that made $10,000 the first month, and my mom's proud of me. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yes.
1: But I have to hit on something that I love you said, because I'm, I'm mentoring a, a young lady right now that talked to me about she mentioned the other day, she said she really wanted to be an athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, that's a great idea. You're a great athlete. And, you know, you used to do that, and you're, you're three years from it, and you would have the great experience. And she said, but everybody's doing it. And that's, I don't want to, the, the market's swamped with ath- athletic trainers. I don't want to do that. And you said that there were five Dunkin' Donuts on, on every corner in your neighborhood. That's, that, that line right there is the very reason why people would stray away from doing the norm. They don't want to do what everyone else is doing. And you hit on a point which is you can do what everybody else is doing. You just have to find a way to do it better. Do it better. And your mini donut factory is doing exceptionally well. You're on store two Mm -hmm. now, right? We do okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you live in Tampa Bay, you know who Patrick
2: is. (laughs) Uh, It's definitely been a blessing. I mean, just just besides the money, um, it's really put us in front of the community. Like, Like, that's so important to us, and that's what I've learned this go-around is it's not... Listen, I make my money because Tampa Bay supports me and supports my family. And so, you know, if you follow me and you know what we do. We do so much charity and goodwill. I love it. Um, you know, we give back a lot of what we make. We genuinely give back a lot of what we make. We do every single gala, event, charity, Christmas time. I mean, we're the kids and I would go Christmas shopping together. Their list this last year, my daughter wanted like a pair of sneakers and a shirt. My son wanted a video game. And like so, I'm telling you, I spent 400 bucks on my kids, and we probably spent 10,000 dollars on buying sneakers and basketballs and board games and all the stuff for all you know the children's homes and the I toy drive. I saw
1: drives. you at the toy drive.
2: Oh, we could we loaded you pulled up. up
1: with a U-Haul.
2: <laughs> we loaded up two two of the cars, uh, three cars actually, three cars because we put bikes. We had to put bikes in one of them. And I'm telling you right now, like again, I couldn't be more proud of how I'm raising my children because they're seeing it and they look forward to Christmas time for the same reasons I look forward to is. Not because of Christmas Day, it's because the, that's like our big month of giving. And they love it. I'm telling you, like they're like, Dad, what are we buying this year? And they'll talk about it months in advance. No toy tries coming up. You know, what do we plan on buying this year? You know, we always do basketballs. We always do shoes. And uh, like, I'm telling you, I couldn't be more proud of a dad than I am with my children. Between the stuff they're learning in business and just basic life skills. It's really, really cool to be a part of.
1: I love that you're through what you're doing and modeling, you're teaching them not to be consumers. Yeah. And to be givers and philanthropists yeah. and involved, that's, that's going to teach them to be leaders of their own community.
2: My daughter just two or three weeks ago was like, dad, we need to donate some time. Like, you know, she named a place and I forget what she named. I was like, that sounds fun, but can we do the Humane Society? Because I love dogs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to go play with dogs.
2: And she's like, yes, definitely. Because, you know, we're a big animal. You know, we, we definitely support the Humane Society. Um, and some, so some of the things I'm actually right now working to be on the board of a couple major charities, uh, which I'm excited. I'll, I'll be able to announce in the next 60 days, but major, major charities that you know, we'll be a part of. And so even my daughter said it. It's not always about money. It's even time. And I said it in the very beginning. Time is our most valuable resource. It's more important than money. Um, with time, you could do so much. You know. So there's 24 hours in a day. If I'm getting four hours of sleep, I got 20 hours. You know, I'll, I'll spend a lot of it with my kids. I'll spend it on my business, and if I can give an hour of my time, or two hours of my time, or you know, a, a full Saturday, whatever it is, um, so I told my daughter we'll do it. So we're actually we've done the Meals on Wheels before, uh, and then we plan on doing uh, some Humane Society stuff, and, uh, and 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 definitely a lot more. We're, you know, I'm gonna let my kids pick where we spend our time because it's a, it's important that they are a part of the decisions that I don't make them and they follow. Um, I forget the story. I had just posted it. But I can envision myself still being a business leader in 20 years and my daughter in a business meeting, and I'm just sitting there watching. And it came up because I went to buy a business recently. And instead of the business owner coming, she sent her dad. She's like, oh, my dad's a very smart businessman. You know, he's gonna, he'll walk through the business. He'll send, show you the numbers, and he'll negotiate with you. And I'm thinking to myself and I not want to say nothing because the guy was amazing I literally cried in front of him because I missed my dad like I hadn't seen my dad in 15 years and I see this man you know being there for his daughter so I just envisioned myself being there for my daughter and my son and I was like I was like I get what they're doing but I want to be the dad that's sitting next to her just watching just listening I don't want to be the one representing my daughter's business I want my daughter representing her own business or my son representing his own business and I just want to watch they can look to me for advice if they want, you know, whatever. That's fine. I'm always going to be there. But again, I'm teaching them to be themselves, to be independent, to be leaders, and do it in so many different facets of life. So,
1: You've already empowered them to do that, though. That's the coolest part. Did, they, did both of them play a big role in your expansions?
2: Um, yeah, of course. I mean, every, every decision we make, the kids, literally every single, our business meetings are at the dining room table. Uh, we're on vacation. We'll go to Orlando a lot, and we'll sit around you know, the pool or wherever we're sitting at, and uh, we'll just sit, and we'll talk, and I treat them as if they're business-minded kids. I, even simple stuff, like we're driving to the store last week, and I'm like... Jordan, you know, this girl asked for a pay raise. She said she wants, you know, whatever X amount of dollars an hour. This is what we're paying her. I was like, I don't know. She hasn't learned everything. What do you think? And he's like, well, does she know how to do dough? Does she know how to do uh, donuts? She decorating? Does she do the drinks and the register? I'm like, no, she hasn't learned uh, the drinks yet. He said, well, maybe you do X50 instead of what she's asking. And I was like, you know, I was like, that's great. You know, I, I may have known that going into the conversation, but I still talked it out and I let him, you know, come to that decision on his own. So that's all I can continue to do is just empower my kids, make them part of the decisions. And, and, and they're learning, they're making the same decisions that I would do, which is awesome.
1: I love this. Two, Patrick's a busy guy, so I got two last questions for you. <laughs> One, who is your current hero?
2: So I don't read. Um... <laughs>
1: You know, I'm so glad you said that because I don't really read well either.
2: <laughs> I'm blind, too. Um, you know, this is, this is really easy for me because it's my wife. Oh. Uh, you know, now I may cry, but, you know, the woman's been there almost 22 years. And we've been through good and bad. Every, every single marriage and relationships has its ups and downs. Um, but that woman has been the biggest supporter of mine above anyone I can ever imagine. If I told her I wanted to be an astronaut, she'd be like, cool, when do you own for space? You know, when do you, when do you leave? You know, I was 21, 22, and I was like, I wanted to play professional basketball. You know, I used to be really good at basketball. But let's be real. I'm 5'9", I'm white, I can't jump. <laughs> I mean, I could shoot, and I could dribble, and I could pass, but I'm just not athletic like that, right? I'm not built to be in the NBA. But she said, do it. She's like, you're going to have to practice every day, and I, I won't lie. I was practicing every day, and I tried out and made a non um, um, What do they call it? Semi-pro basketball team. Mm -hmm. And I just never did it. You know, I never did. I made it. And that was my goal was just to know that I could make it to a certain level. That's so cool. And then I never took the team because the team was, I think it was like Fort Myers. It's three months out of the year. They pay you like nothing. It's like $10,000, $15,000 for three months of your time. But you can't hold a job during that time. Mm. I have to leave my wife. And um, it wasn't worth it. But she's like always the super... Come on, if if Chris said to you, you know, hey, honey, let's open up a donut shop, you'd look at him like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've learned to ride the wave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and you and that's what you do. So she's she knows that there's sometimes we're gonna be very well off. There's gonna be sometimes we're gonna be poor, uh, but it comes back. We may but lose if, it again if this is always here. None of the it foundations matters. there. She she met me poor. She met me in the military. She didn't meet me because I had a car or whatever. You know what I'm saying? In fact, I moved in with her. I, I didn't even have a play because I was staying on base so I moved in with her right off the bat and I stayed with her and her college roommate and I never left <laughs> I love it but she's she's my hero she's my everything that woman has been through so much in her life and she always has a smile she can have the worst day and you will not see her not smile like she's just got the kindest heart you know, warmest gentlest woman I'm just telling you so like I've, I've learned from her so many different things just besides her support smile and look at look at life differently like Listen, everybody has it worse than, than, than what's going on right now. My, you know, I have 50 employees. That's stressful, but you know what? So what? That's why I'm an entrepreneur. I, I can deal with stress better than anybody else. So that stuff doesn't bother me. As long as I got my wife, I'm set.
1: I love it. Yeah. I love your vulnerability <laughs> about your
2: wife. I love it.
1: <laughs> All right, so you got two kids. We talked about them a lot. You gave a ton of advice, but for you, for young Patrick... If you were 18 again, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself?
2: Man, I don't know. Uh, meet Z faster. That would have been good. <laughs> my wife, meet my wife faster. Um, you know what, I, I gotta say that everything I've done has happened for a reason. So I can't say that I could have taught myself anything different. Every single job I've ever taken uh, down to McDonald's, you, know, you learn so much from the jobs and the path you've taken uh, so, uh, McDonald's teaches you systems right what is, what is there that you can put in a uh, high school kids any McDonald's and McDonald's runs right it's because mm-hmm. they have systems they have books in place they have everything set um, collections and sales and you know those are all important skills in life like if you can't collect on somebody that means you can't even walk up to somebody and sell them a donut you know you have to be confident about what you do in every aspect of life so I gotta say, I would I, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't give myself any any advice differently. I think everything in my life has happened for a reason, and and I I, I couldn't imagine anything of working out any differently, unless oh sure, if I could have predicted the the market crash of 2008, that
1: would <laughs> you'd, be a, you'd be a lot
2: further along. Yeah, that you know that would be different, you know, and then uh, but nobody's seen that coming. So
1: well, economics in school didn't teach me that, so.
2: Mind you got your master's degree, so good, good for you. Well, do you have it hanging on a wall somewhere?
1: In my cubicle at work. Do yeah? you? Yeah.
2: Nice. <laughs> that no one sees. What do they so. call it? A, a, a cubicle warrior.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but I work for a nonprofit, so that's that's the purposeful living yeah, that I love. Good. So of course. It's, but that makes it a little bit different. You know, that's that's a 100%. small percentage of people. You understand that part? Purposeful. I, I feel. I feel purpose in what
2: I do. So. You have to. You have to have meaning in your life. And I think there's a lot of lost entrepreneurs because they don't have meaning in their life. So before you're even an entrepreneur, find out what your meaning in life is. That's... That, that, there you go. That came to me. That's probably something... I didn't know what my meaning in life was. I didn't realize that, you know, 20-something years down the road I'd be with the same woman for that long. I didn't know I'd have two amazing teenage children and so the meaning of life is such an important because that's your why what's your why I guess that's the question what's your why What? why do you do what you do on a daily basis or why do you want this and you know, just ask yourself a lot of questions like, and, and figure it out like maybe I want to be a photographer but do I enjoy doing photography do I think I can make money from it you know I probably could make money from it I don't want to do it not, but so I have a meaning in life and that's my wife my children and, and so they're that's something I think as an entrepreneur if you have a meaning you know you see a lot of people that are successful because they have no choice you know they have kids have payments they got you know, a marriage a life car bills so a lot of people are successful because they have no choice to be successful failure is not an option
1: mm. so listen Tampa Bay thanks you my audience of the Stranded Podcast thanks you and I can't thank you enough for being real and vulnerable and transparent and sharing your story. And everybody can check you out. Uh, give me some social handles. Instagram's the Mini Donut Factory.
2: Mini Donut Donut is D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T. Got it. Uh, same on Facebook. hmm Snapchat is Donut Daddy. Got it. <laughs> Donut Daddy on Snapchat. Um I think my Facebook's full, but you can just look look me up on Facebook.
1: Yep. And here in downtown St. Pete, Fourth North 4th Street.
2: 734th Street North, and then 2109 South Dale Mabry in Tampa. Uh, I
1: hit it every time on my way back from church.
2: You're blessed. You're, you're <laughs> a good woman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong. Trust me. It'll be your favorite treat at work and your, your, your favorite Sunday uh, lunch item. So check them out. Thank you again, Patrick, for joining us. I can't thank you enough.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if anybody you know, has questions on uh, the blog and I put something in the comment section, uh, just shoot me a message. I'm happy to respond to them there.
1: Humblest guy I know. I love it. Thank you, Patrick.
2: My pleasure.
0: Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded face is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.